A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. Yo, 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 this is the Black Maria podcast. <laughs> Episode 29. Uh, my name is Mary. I've lost my voice. So dash me and I'm in the room with Richard and Israel. How are you guys both doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What you guys been up to? Living. Living my best life. life now. <laughs> Especially when, you, when you're jobless. I, know, I envy you. Summer holiday. Usually yeah, when Israel comes enjoying. up to the recording, he's always in his suit, fresh, fresh shirt. Today he's in Adidas tracksuit. It looks yeah. like casual. Home clothes. Yeah. Home clothes. Second tier clothes for the Lord's work. <laughs> okay, so. Wow. How wow, have wow, you been, wow. Richard? I've been good. I've been good. I've been good. I've been quite busy at work recently. So that's been interesting. My daughter started to taken her first steps. Oh. Which has also been There was this cute, I don't know how you even caught her. Cause like you were recording her, and then she just stood up. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I've got I've got a clip essentially where I recorded her, and then she randomly stood up, and then all of a sudden, I, but I'm recording her from behind, and then as soon as I walk around to the front, and she sees me with the camera, she falls back. Uh, so and then she sweet. starts playing with something else, like she like as though she didn't do anything. <laughs> Guilty That's child. amazing. But um, but yeah, man, no, I've been I've been good. Just been busy, uh, running after a a, a, a newly walking baby. Um, work's just been mad friends getting married um Bruv, i can talk i've been to like three weddings in the space of like four weeks I'm I, exhausted. I think i counted it i think i've been i've been to eight weddings this year yeah and i've been in four weddings in terms of in bridal parties oh, i was a groomsman yeah yeah, yeah groomsman been, best man yeah it's a lot i'm just tiring i'm bro. doing two this <laughs> month tiring. so i just did one i love you guys though on the third and i got one on the 30th so happy oh. to serve you guys but yeah Mm, it's mm. a lot it's definitely a lot so what are we talking about today guys um what's on the docket bojo <laughs> is bojo short for boris johnson <laughs> it's just short for bojo um yeah boris johnson um long and short of it i know you guys are gonna put this in 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 in, in more formal terms but i've heard he's been he's been he's been running his mouth and he's essentially been doing a madness recently um I heard he referred to some some uh, women that wear the what's it called a, a burqa a burqa. They, they, he's referred to them as as letterbox as, as letterboxes, as uh, bank robbers and things of that kind of ilk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I just find it to be so wild. Yeah, it's wild um, from a politician. So wild, you know, and so creative, um, creatively <laughs> wild. I just find it to be so mad, but. Um, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate, it's mad because it's like, I was, I was talking to someone about this just earlier today. Like you see a black person walking in a hoodie and all of a sudden, you know, um, I remember, I remember being at work and a Chinese guy just said to me, I put on my hood like on the way out of work. And he said, oh, Richard, if I saw you, he said, Richard, if I saw you walking out of the, 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 on the street, I would have crossed the road. I was, thinking, I was thinking in my head, like these men have been getting away with these kind of things all day. And now, now, microaggressions. now we're slightly kicking up a fuss yeah. when, when it's, when it's about the, the, what's this thing called? The Berska or whatever? Berka. The Berka. Um, uh-huh. The, 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 the,
Um, oh my days. Nah, but just like, nah, but just being so wild. I'm actually so wild. So wild. <laughs> you might as well just join Boris, mate. Nah, but um, but no, jokes aside, let's be serious now. Like, okay. In terms of like, what are your guys' thoughts? Like, first, I guess before we jump into what are your thoughts on the comment, what are your thoughts on the actual wearing of the of the burkas, the or the niqab? I think it's also yeah. called. So mm. I think the burqa is just covers the head. And then the cab will cover like the the mouth and the nose, so only the eyes are showing. And then you have the full. Uh, no, no, no. Then the cab, the cab is full. Yeah, sorry. Mercury covers the head. Um, uh, then the cab is the full one, yeah. and then the hijab is the one that covers the nose and the mouth. I believe. Yes. It, hijab covers the head. They it's all cover like the scarf. Head. Yeah. Yeah, and the, 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 the burqa right? covers the. It covers the um, nose, the mouth, the nose. Yeah, nose down. Yeah. And, and then the, the cab is the cab is like a, a full thing, thing. yeah covers everything but you just and you only see the eyes, eyes right? are showing yeah, yeah. yeah and i'm assuming that's the one that boris referred to as a. uh so he referred it to, i think it was a burqa which is the yeah he referred it to the burqa and in the cab so both of them yeah cover yeah, yeah, your yeah. nose I down see, see. See, um hence the whole letter box because obviously the only thing that's showing is their eyes mm-hmm. um and i yeah. guess why, why do they wear it this i'm assuming it's to do with modesty yeah so when i was looking into mm-hmm. it it's from i think there's there's a lot of like islamic debate between if it's necessary for them to actually wear it because some people say if not wearing it is, is yeah. wrong yeah. or some people say you've got freedom for it but ultimately it's for they believe that only um the private parts of your body should be shown to your husband mm-hmm. um so everything else should be covered um in reference to your husband and, and to and it's a bit as to as well. how much everything yeah. else that's non-private showing, actually is. Yeah. yeah so they would say your nose like up, well your face should be for your husband as well but some people mm. would argue so that's where the that's the scholarly where the argument comes, comes the, from and the, and the variance yeah but yeah so, and i guess so in terms of it is that i guess slightly wayward question but is that is that modesty it's a really interesting question because I remember even a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, there was a discussion we had um, and it was like a like an elderly man was almost promoting. He almost wished that Christian women kind of adopted that item of wearing like wearing the cabs and burkas because he felt like it was like almost a picture of modesty. I don't know. I think, I think from what I've read, the, the whole idea is that it's to be pleasing to God. And I think... F- from a Christian perspective, we know that it's not what we do that's pleasing to God. So if I could imagine Islamic ladies thinking, may mm. wearing this is now what makes me holy. Um, mm. But when I think of modesty, I always think of like First Peter 3, which talks about your body, your beauty should not come from uh, outward adornments, such as hairstyles yeah, yeah, or jewelry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rather, it should be of an inner self, unfading beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit. Um, yeah. But of course, a gentle and quiet spirit is flows from faith in God. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, a, there's there's almost a, a way I could suggest that it's not true modesty, um, as it doesn't flow from a, a willingness to please God uh, mm-hmm. in a truest sense. I feel I feel I feel like um, whenever I have this conversation, people always end up at one one extreme or the other. It's mm-hmm. always uh, you know, um, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. I can dress however I like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's purely a matter of the heart. Yeah. Um, and then simultaneously, you get the. Um, you know, only God searches my heart, and then and, and then simultaneously you get the other side that literally says no. It's it's about what you wear, you know. From the you know, I've, ugh, I saw one video, hem of your garment ministries, something something. Like that. Wow. I remember, I remember that coming up. Somebody sending that to me, but it's essentially it was more so that was the other extreme that just merely talked about the covering of your skin mm-hmm. and the and the extensive covering of your skin. And I think and I think you wanna you wanna get the balance between the two, but. Israel is it is 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 this a form of modesty what do you think do you think it's a, do you think it is modesty in and of itself do you think it 
Um, Do you think it misses the point? If so, how? Is it anything less than what you wear? I think modesty has its internal and external features. So... Mm, always coming with the lingo. Uh-uh. <laughs> Exter- externally, yeah. I, I, in my mind, I, I think when, you, when you're dealing with it at a very... What's the word? Um, super, not superficial sounds bad, but very superficial level of external appearance, right? Mm-hmm. Modesty being not trying to um, draw unnecessary again I'm not I'm not choosing the best words here unnecessary attention <clears throat> yeah it does that maybe in- inappropriate attention might be yeah uh, not, not bringing inappropriate sexual attention I guess would be probably a, a, yeah, yeah. a caveat to add as well um, it, it does that at the internal level and I, 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 I know this is part of where the whole debate around modesty even comes from mm-hmm. um, th- the clothing in itself, I don't think satisfies or necessarily satisfies the internal conditions of modesty, mm. especially when um, it is done out of a cultural pressure mm. as opposed mm. to a um, religious spiritual conviction, which is a huge dynamic that does go on in the in the Muslim community, and to be fair, even in the Christian community, mm-hmm. if, if, if we're being frank, yeah. um, and, I, and and so, but that 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 internal dynamic is harder to dissect. Um, but I would say that doesn't necessarily fulfill that 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 aspect of it. Okay, so so it, it fulfills <clears throat> the maybe something of the external, but yeah. Yeah. definitely doesn't mean that the internal element of modesty is definitely there. Someone mm. could, in one sense, uh, dare I say, try to give off inappropriate. Um, try and attract inappropriate amount of inappropriate levels or, or, or forms of attention through even just the showing of their eyes. If they if they if they so wanted to, if they so wanted mm. to, do you know what I mean? It's it, it it isn't limited to that. But I guess just I guess honing on the cultural element and the fact that this is really quite something that's quite culture heavy um, within the Islamic community. Do you think then Boris's comments are therefore intrinsically racist? They're highly offensive. I'm sorry. I think they're racist. Um, mm. I think they're racist. I, I think it's the, there's so much as well. Cause I think for me, the concern is like the whole, the whole kind of pervasive nature of Islamophobia in our society now and the whole bank robbers comment. And again, comparing um, Muslims to villainous mm. kind of wicked people. Um, yeah. And, and you already know kind of the, how the media you know the daily mails would, would would kind of react to that and even since his comments there's been a lot of like letterbox jokes and, and so forth so i think yeah i think his, his 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 comment was highly offensive highly insensitive um yeah and i wouldn't argue against someone who said who thought it was racist as well you know wanting to uh but like you know, he because he said something uh what did he say he said something like oh they can wear whatever they want to wear but why would you have a like why would you wear something like a letterbox and what's that in a very derogatory nature as if what they what their mm. whole thing is about is almost mm. inferior to what he, he believes it to be. Well, uh, I, I guess like, okay, I, I appreciate that, but if we assume that, okay, if we take away the derogatory elements mm-hmm. of the comments and we take it for what it was, he's really just taking the idea of wearing a, a niqab or, or a burqa as a joke really is what he's mm-hmm. essentially what he's saying. And he's saying it's an inferior view to whatever he holds to, right? Mm-hmm. In... I guess with our kind of worldview, we want to encourage 
insofar as is possible this kind of you know discussions and and obviously constructive discussions yeah um but you know discussions nevertheless whereby people can openly speak so a a freedom of speech almost kind Mm -hmm. of kind of element to a degree at the very least yeah um how do you then think do you think i'm just trying to make sure we're not going to be inconsistent when it comes to our views on um religious diversity on on tolerance on pluralism you know on, on, on those kind of things actually on that note israel what do you think should be the christian view on like in light of this issue what do you think this uh, reflects of our like of our view of like tolerance and, and pluralism etc in society do you think a person should be able to make comments that essentially are derogatory towards another person's viewpoints or do you think a person should be able to say i disagree with do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. to, to what extent do you think the comment was is fine and at what point do you think it goes too far if if it does go too far um i'll start by saying i think actually as as i was listening to both of you definitely i think boris johnson was being racist in that instance especially if you take racism at its very um, non-controversial definition of um seeing another race or people group as inferior yeah to yeah. yours he definitely assumed inferiority 100%. he was just like hey you know because i mean the whole context of his of his article is they should be allowed to wear what they ever wear even if they choose to wear something that's clearly stupid and inferior yeah is what he's saying which is right. was a slight of racism read, while it, trying yeah. to defend them it was saying yeah let them wear it it's stupid and i think is is unbecoming of anybody but that's their own choice um and you just think that because it's because the the um the clothing in and of itself is just so culturally charged and culturally specific if, if mm. that makes sense it's, it's, yeah. cultu- it's a culturally loaded form of clothing yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah so you just think it's detect it's un- it's you can't sever that from the no okay no. i hear that i hear that um and so from from that angle it, it yeah it's it was a racist statement um even if quote and i know some people who have defended have said this even though it was quote in defense of their freedom to wear it um but from that i think we as, as christians a, a christian approach really is trying to develop a civic respect for other religions that lingo civic is a key word i put that <laughs> word in, 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 in on purpose i said in purposes yeah. oh wow <laughs> <laughs> and then the lingo's gone <laughs> <laughs> when you get humbled, back back. I don't get humbled anymore. Okay, well, so civic respect. Yeah, yeah. civic respect. Um, it basically says in our civic engagements, on the on the premise that we are in a society, right, where we are citizens amongst others who are of different faith backgrounds, different faith communities, different cultures, different ethnicities. We have to have a respect that sees the other whether that's on the basis of religion, race, or whatever, that sees the other as equal in the civic sphere. That there isn't a a presumed assumption um, or approach that says, when we engage with one another, I'm going to take the the moral high ground. I'm going to take a superior stance. I'm going to look at your culture, your um, lifestyle as as inferior um, because it's different to mine. Which and so you know, when, when Boris was engaging in that civic conversation, he wasn't doing that. He said, mm-hmm. "I want to, I want to enter this conversation, this social conversation in public, and I'm not going to respect the fact that people have genuine disagreements." Mm-hmm. No, so civic is not saying we we um, fluff our beliefs. 
mm-hmm. and come from a place of saying, oh, you know, I don't really believe or take my own position seriously, but it's mm-hmm. saying I hold, you know, fast to what I believe and confess and whatever, but I'm not going to let that um, determine sort of an attitude mm-hmm. of disrespect, an attitude okay. of of pride, of um, slander to, to the other. So irrespective of our, diff- of our different yeah. upbringings, cultures, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera ontologically speaking we're still the same and yeah henceforth we ought to be we we you you merit my respect because you mm-hmm. are my equal at the very least in that regard as humankind mm-hmm. yeah I, I get that i yeah. appreciate that i think even when you think of like freedom of speech of course i think christians we love the 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 idea of being able to say whatever you want because that's helped us in terms of our gospel kind of fervence um but f- freedom of speech doesn't kind of divorce you from freedom of consequence either so like if i say something mm, offensive in a town a area hmm. i don't know i just go into the middle of everton and i say liverpool's the best team ever or something someone could easily punch me <laughs> like <laughs> there's consequences to what i say yeah. um and i think boris johnson definitely should be aware of that i think even when you think of something like tolerance because because I, I remember i was reading this book you guys recommended what Israel did um, Nancy Truth Nancy Percy Total Truth yes. even though Israel hasn't read it I'm sure you Israel recommended me a book that he hasn't I've read, read Total Truth I actually, Truth. you know what Have guys, you guys I'm making a pledge to everyone who <laughs> subscribes and listens to Black Bria. stop asking for money it by the end of oh. the year and upon finishing stop it asking for money to, to be fair that, you know what she preempted me because I was about to, I was about to, I was about to but I'm still going to say I'm going to follow through by the end of the year upon finishing it okay. I went to make a post on Facebook and Black Bria will share it. <laughs> it basically means I'm gonna hijack the account and share it. <laughs> and everyone else will, you know, upon seeing it, you can all just send in donations. Oh yes, um, uh, encouraging and approving of my dedication to the task at hand. I'm so um, anyway, minimum so, uh, fifty anyway, so, pound notes. Anyway, so, so Israel, in- Israel's points were essentially don't fluff, like but civic respect. Yeah, Mary said freedom of speech doesn't make you, doesn't leave you open to freedom from of consequences mm. Mm. and even in and, like uh, Nancy Percy's book she talks about um like the two types of tolerance in our society and she said before the type of tolerance we had was in as much as you guys were seeking for truth so if I don't know Michael's an atheist and Sally's a Christian you would be tolerant of each other's views but you would both be seeking to find a way to understand total truth so you would yeah. be like okay okay you're an atheist i don't agree with you because of a b c and d but you will be tolerant of each other whereas in today's society we've moved to an idea of actually if i say i believe in x you can't say that that's, that's offensive it's an ignorance based yeah tolerance. so it's, it's, it's so much that you can't say anything that makes anyone uncomfortable and we almost have to yeah. just live in a plural society where there is no truth and yeah. everything is just subjective um, and, that, and that's the and that's the and that's the biggest issue they force mm-hmm in trying to make truth subjective, they force an objective reality upon everyone that truth mm. has to be subjective. And therefore that's how we should, that's how we should approach the issue. Yeah. I think at least in the previous period, like I, I wrote an article for Blackberry, I think the first article I the wrote. The first article, yeah, the millennial the, Christian? The millennials regress. Re- millennials mm. regress. And, and essentially, yeah, dealing with just that whole idea of the fact that, you know, previously when issues did arise, when people were, you know, um, came to a difference of opinion, mm-hmm. et cetera, people would previously you know like you said debate these things out think these Mm. things through and really come to and uh encouraging those conversations essentially whereby people had different different opinions were encouraged whereas now we're at the point whereby you know it's 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 the people in power essentially um making it look as though it's something 
to be ashamed of to question yeah. um a particular viewpoint etc mm, and, and 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 that's difficult to deal with um but i guess now just just moving in line with that now recognizing that this isn't the way right way to deal with these kind of things just to just to shy over issues mm-hmm. etc how as christians um especially in like a religiously diverse society so like in, in london for example we know that we're there's 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 Sikhs, there's Buddhists, there's Hindus, there's Muslims, etc. How can we engage in conversation with and demonstrate love towards you know our our Muslim neighbors, for example, without um, compromising on on the beliefs that we actually believe in? Mm, I think I think there's almost a benefit of diversity. Um, oh, talking about diversity, I could plug an article uh, on Blackberry, a new article mm. by Lewis Carruthers. I've probably said his surname wrong, my bad. Um, and it's about uh, gospels of diversity in the church. So if anyone hasn't read that, it's a really good it article. Excellent. Um, yeah, really good article, blackberry.com. But I'm um, talking about diversity in general. So for example, like my workplace now um, has, like you go on the website, diversity, the internal website, and you find like the Christian society straight away. Um, wow. And of course, alongside Christian society, there's Muslim society, there's atheist society, there's Star Wars society, there's Star all Wars these different, society. yeah, yeah wow. there's all these different societies. I was about to but, be a <laughs> but like, it allows you, it gives you the freedom to, to express your belief. Yeah, yeah, and, and that yeah, allows you yeah. to actually engage because if you know, oh, okay, you're part of this society, I'm a Christian, and then by the time you know it, you're able to actually talk amongst yourselves whereas sometimes there's that whole idea of wanting to silence people so people can't speak about what they believe or say what anything that they believe and then if you if you don't say what you mean or say what you think then you're not almost open to a dialogue or debate mm. um and i think if we think specifically for um muslim brother muslim neighbors we want to <laughs> i call them brothers you want to serve them I, I think i think um at times we see Muslims as our enemy and of course there's a sense we could say that in a very um I don't know the word uh in a missional sense probably um but in looking for opportunities to engage them so it's likely you've got a Muslim co- co-worker you've probably got a Muslim neighbor your mm. butchers is probably a Muslim like they, you you will come in contact with them daily and you almost want to open the door for, for you to talk to them to engage them to respect their cultural norms I even remember at my my when I was working uh, during uni times and there was one of my Muslim colleagues and I I would always try and shake his hand and he would never shake my hand I'm like this guy is so sexist I didn't realise that some um, some Muslims well apparently technically Muslim men are not supposed to touch any women if they're not their wives so that just being able to not like go to HR and mm. say this guy is but actually trying to treat re- me somehow yeah, yeah, yeah respecting yeah. his norms even maybe even during um, during Ramadan, not just they're all fasting. It doesn't mean now it's time for you to now eat all the food in front of them. I mean, maybe go to the corner, doing all you can to, to really respect them in hope that you can offer them the gospel. And that Would you does eat your food in the corner. I preach, I'm thinking about that example. Would I no? eat my food in the corner? No, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of the reason why. No, I, s- I appreciate. I appreciate the example. And okay. I don't, think, I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's. I'm, I'm not, I'm not prescribing it. Yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. But it could. Someone may. But it could be. It could be a conviction that you just. Yeah, think, it uh, could be. A, yeah. Maybe if you know they're all fasting, you want this going. You know, is anyone hungry? Oh, sorry, it's Ramadan. Ah. Like you would. <laughs> you might be a bit mute about it in terms know, of what you're doing and then ultimately alongside praying for them as well so if, if you're a church and you're in a heavy kind of muslim area again that's somewhere the lord has called yeah. you to and that would be a great opportunity for you to engage with your community mm-hmm. what do you think mm-hmm. israel israel anything those, to add those, huh anything to add those are really excellent points um i i stole them from somewhere <laughs> <laughs> i, I I don't, I don't that was that was sorry that was her Harvard reference in other way. <laughs> jokes I stole them from somewhere <laughs> you know um I think in in engaging 
one of, one of the things that we can do that shows a deep level of respect mm-hmm. is to just seek to learn and actually understand. So, I mean, Mary, Mary, Mary mentioned it in part and I, and I sort of implicitly while discussing it. So you go to work where you have um, Muslim co-workers, co-workers, mm-hmm. right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and colleagues. so on. Colleagues. <laughs> I, that, I was thinking of, I was thinking of those colleagues. So when I said co-workers, it sounded weird. Anyway, um, and you think, oh, why are they doing that? But actually, if you have the posture of learning and trying to understand, it will open up so many ideas and streams that you may not have ever even considered before. Mm. Um, topics of conversation, just getting to know someone. And just understanding the, the, the culture and worldview that someone comes from does a tremendous amount, not only for building friendship, mm. but for actually opening a genuine door that's not, what's the word? missional aggressive mm. like it's not it's not my only aim is to say yeah it. yeah it's not, it's, that's that we will it, only talk about things that are gospel specific it's like hi i'm How a christian the sun is shining and the lord reigns <laughs> <laughs> what did it's, you get up to today church and yeah. i went home and i read my bible it, it's, it's it, a genuine understand understanding of, of, the, of someone's culture and worldview actually allows you to have conversations that are meaningful deep relevant but re- completely removes this whole connotation angle of um, my purpose in your life is to convert you and and everything we do is to that goal and apart from that you are nothing to me that mm. kind of, like it, it gets rid of all of that dynamic yeah. which I think not only helps us but it helps other because these are still human beings and mm. no one at the end of the day wants to be felt like a project mm. do you know what's um, mad it's, it, it, it just makes me think one of the most, one of the things that we always say is so damaging when it comes to like the gospel just generally is when mm. people always try to say that, you know, Christ came, for example, to heal you of all your sicknesses, et cetera, et cetera. And they try mm. to make Christ some some super doctor, but forget that he came for the soul. And I think it's also just as damaging when you flip it on the other extreme and you say, do you know what, Christ only cares about your soul, but he doesn't care about your physical body whatsoever. Mm. And, and, and so you get the Christ who not only seeks to heal people in terms of their um their physical sicknesses but also their spiritual sick but also their spiritual sicknesses but but notice you know the same christ who says i am the bread of life is the same christ who fed the five thousand. right yeah. so it's so it's just trying to get that that healthy balance between um appreciating i want to engage a person to you know because i want to see their soul saved and i know that is the that that should be one of my that one of my primary aims in life to see god glorified through the salvation of men but at the same time just recognizing rah like they are real people, yeah. you know, with with real lives, real issues, real families, real jobs, real strains, real financial issues. Do you know what I mean? Just real, just real people mm. and real hunger, real all of these kind of things. And so you want to kind of make sure that you're engaging them um, at both levels. And I think that's actually quite a fantastic point. Yeah, even yeah. when I read uh, the book by the late uh, Nabil Qureshi on his experience of um, becoming a Christian um, out of Islam, and he kind of writes... Uh, at length around his friendship with I believe his name David Wood who was a oh, someone yes, he met yeah. in college yeah, and yeah, he was yeah, a Christian yeah, and friend, he evangelized yeah. to him and, and when you read it of course uh, David Wood is, is they have multiple conversations about the Quran about the gospel about the Bible and they really do in, enjoy and having those conversations but they were actually really good friends um, and, and the bill talks about that they didn't just speak about um, uh, the Quran and Islam and why Islam is, is not the true religion they spoke about 
their course. They spoke about being a doctor. They spoke about all these different things. And you got to really see a, a, a great person in terms of how David was able to communicate the gospel and also live with him as a friend mm, and mm, as a neighbor. And that helped even in trying to emphasize the, the gospel imperatives and so forth. So no, I thought it was... Mm. Yeah, that's a really good book if anyone hasn't read it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll throw in a quick book as well because that's um, oh. that's, that's really relevant <laughs> to this. So, no, I need a book. Richard, um, throw your book in after the book, yeah? and and I would de- definitely recommend uh, listeners to to um, read this Evangelism After Pluralism by Brian Stone. Have you read this book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually <laughs> you try to try to at me. You try to at me, but I got my shield of faith. Okay, so. It's um it's a book on evangelism and the ethics of evangelism basically, and the approach it takes is is, is dissecting um current evangelical practices and actually trying to examine them and seeing what a faithful um, evangelical evangelistic witness looks like, um and it so first of all the, the book diagnoses the problem or um, Professor Stone diagnoses the problem as a lot of us a lot of Christians view evangelism as almost a neo-imperialist agenda of competing for converts mm-hmm. we live in a pluralistic society because evangelism after pluralism and mm. we're here competing with all these different philosophies and worldviews and whatever for converts and so we play a competition game actually we formed a religious com- um you know free market we're trying to compete for more customers um and he says actually that's not helpful to the christian winners because what it reduces the gospel to is to a product that we have to convince other people is worth buying as opposed to some other products by another competing worldview mm. Mm. and he says what we the the approach should be taken instead to evangelism is faithful witness to a beauty that draws others in as opposed to trying to compete we're not he's like the gospel jesus christ is, is not in competition this is not a free market what we do instead is we just stand as faith, and I like that word faithful because it, it implies um, a sturdiness to what we believe to be true and hold to. A faithful witness to Jesus Christ and say, in, in my life, words, actions, deeds, everything, this is comprehensive. I'm going to ensure that everything in my life stands as a faithful witness to Jesus Christ. And that itself, word and deed, will embody my evangelistic practice. Mm. as opposed to like a campaign a capital campaign where i now declare a speech from the rooftops and like compete with the um atheist uh new atheist guy who's on another rooftop doing the a different speech of Mm. source Mm. i i just stand as a faithful witness and i think that's helpful for us in thinking about how we can even engage in our pluralistic society and so on yeah Uh, i I guess i guess these guys are now looking at me and smiling what book can you recommend you know what guys (laughs) I'll recommend The Gagging of God by D.A. Carson. Hey, okay. That's intolerance of tolerance. Is that what uh, that's, yeah, yeah, he, he termed hmm. um, The, or The Intolerance of Intolerance, one of the two. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, it's a book essentially that seeks to confront pluralism um, in our society. The book's philosophical in the sense hmm. that it deals with contradictions in pluralism, um, you know, and just how incompat- the, incompatibi- the incompatibility, sorry, of Christianity with a pluralistic worldview and the authority of the Bible. Um, 
and just like the book, the biblical worldview and the general framework of it all. And you can find the rest of this review on Amazon from um, William Frost, <laughs> Five Boys. Um, but no, yeah, I've, I've actually got silly. <laughs> it's actually jokes, but I've actually got the gagging of God in my in my bookshelf. Do you want to give it away? Um, we can do a giveaway. I should, be, I should give it away because I've, I've not got to that book. It's a, it's a big book, you know. Is it? It's probably about, I think it's about maybe... 700. 700 pages-ish, yeah, yeah something of that yeah. kind of book. So, um, yeah, if anyone wants to, to really have that book... Um, Hollow us library yeah. at gmail.com. Um, I might give that book away if okay. Israel finishes his book. <laughs> Why would you call me out again? This is a hypothetical that, that way. That way, I know I'm not giving it away, but um, I guess that's that was a nice discussion. Mo- mm. Moving on a bit, um, we wanted to discuss Bill Hybels and Willow Creek Church, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Israel, do you want to tell us what happened in this one? Um, Bill Hybels um, was the founding. Um, pastor and senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, which is based in the Chicagoland area. Big church, yeah, the um, fifth largest church in America. Yeah, 25, so it was and it was the, members, twenty five thousand. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's the fifth largest. That's the <laughs> fifth chuckled. largest, by the way. Wow, <laughs> when yeah. I heard it was the fifth, um, the 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 church essentially was the um, initiating church of the seeker sensitive movement when Bill High was. Um, was going to plant the church one of the things that the the initial core group did was they went around and they um did surveys and questionnaires to the community as far in as possible um asking you know what do you think of church what do you associate to certain christian words um what are the reasons you don't go to church if you do go to church why do you go to church and just trying to survey the the environment the essential idea was to orientate and construct the sunday service in light of those who are seeking, those who are in the community who aren't sure. So maybe someone said they did stats. Someone said, yeah, and this was this was very like empirical. <laughs> like this was not just hey, yeah. we have an idea. This was very rigorous study. So if if the general um, community saw certain words as having negative connotations, they, they would wouldn't use reframe it. the oh, discussion about certain things. If people said, uh, and I know this just came up in part, you know church can be very boring and not engaging they would in they would um what's the word seek to ensure that it's insert certain sections in the service that was actually engaging with what was going on in 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 larger society at the time so if a new movie came out they would theme a sermon series around that movie as a way of engaging just oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but essentially yeah. responding to every um element of people's wants desires yeah et to ensure that they felt included and to get basically to get rid of that feeling of strangeness okay. that might come with someone who's outside of church entering a church okay and what's the relevance um, for today and the church blew up not well it, you don't mean literally <laughs> yeah it it, it it um it expanded and grew and so he became a very like prominent, prominent figure, figure. And yeah. to, to, to be honest he still is in that sense a prominent figure in that in that entire movement and he founded later on to found the Global Leadership Summit, which is actually the largest leadership sum- summit in the world, f- full stop, in any industry. Wow. Business, yeah, there is no leadership summit in any other industry larger than the Global Leadership Summit. And they've, imp- they've invited people like Bill Clinton to speak. So this is, you know, um, oh, wow. a very successful church. And so this incident actually stands as a very, like, domineering, domineering? No. It's t- <laughs> it stands as a very huge 
um, dense in the impact of the Me Too movement in the church. Church too. Yeah, because this is a very influential and historically sorry. I think I think, changing we, I think we slightly jumped something. So, oh, what did he actually do? Yeah, oh, yeah. So we didn't say what's that. The relevance. You've now mentioned Me Too. So that that will give a hint. Um, yeah. I actually just started speaking. <laughs> Israel was like, hey, "This is his biography." Don't, don't, he was born in 1948. You raised in Chicago, uh, 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 um, uh, but so, he resigned. Him. And so last, he was planning to resign for a while, to retire for a while, actually. And he, in in light of that, he had um, announced to co-pastors to get rid of like the whole celebrity pastor idea, which was one of the problems. He announced two co-pastors to take over from him. And he'd planned to retire last October, but it was cut early because of an initial allegation that he was engaging in sexual inappropriateness. Now, it wasn't anything, it wasn't sexual assault, but it was just things like, let's have the meeting at my private yacht or being very... Yeah. Actually, if you have 25,000 members, you definitely have a yacht. Yeah, not necessarily. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, go on. Um, well, I guess if he he's the only one of one of five. Yeah. So, and yeah. you know, one on one meetings where it's just him and her on the yacht by themselves, or do you is know he married? Yeah, yeah, he's so, been married for like since nineteen seventy something. So all these sexual suggestions that are not inappropriate for professional and business um, settings and so on, and all of that led him to resign early, mm-hmm. um, April last year. However, more women have come forward. Um, this year and they've come forward in light of not just sexual inappropriateness but sexual misconduct in mm. in accusations in, of groping so it's moving beyond him suggesting things that are really sexually odd and why would you do that to actually him initiating sexual gestures that were not appropriate for meetings or professional settings um, and so on and that has led the entire board of elders and the two um, succeeding pastors to resign. Right, boy. Yeah. Um, so that, and yeah, so you can imagine now, essentially, Willow Creek moving forward, it's like I have a fresh, like it had, it, it, the church has uh, accepted that we need a entirely new set of leadership. Right, yeah. boy. Israel, you applied. And it was, <laughs> it's silly. <laughs> and it was harrowing when you read the, so I think it was the New York Times, was the New York Times? I, yeah. I assume everything is New York Times. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they did like, a, they wrote about it. And I think one of the pastors, Steve Carell, maybe not Steve Carell, Steve Carter. Yeah, oh, Steve yes. Carter. It's not Steve Carell, the actor. Steve Carter, um, I think he supposedly vomited when he read, when he, when mm, he read some mm, of the allegations. Yeah. So it's not, it wasn't anything new. It's always kind of, he's always kind of followed him, but there's, there's always been some sort of, after investigations, he's been, there's yeah. no, I've, or maybe the woman has, has just said she was lying mm. and but then when they confirmed I think it was as many as nine women stepped yeah. forward since right. the 80s to today and yeah so they all had to resign He's, uh, Steve Carter said he didn't feel um, he could move on in good conscience to mm. be an elder especially yeah. in all the things that's happened this, this, I, that, I, I struggle with this kind of stuff because it's, it's mad I, it's shameful it, it is mm. it is it is shameful mm. it's, it's it's distasteful it's 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 painful and and it's and it's really detrimental to the church in general yeah um you know and like you said it's 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 not just the me too movement it's the whole church too and, yeah you know it's 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 shocking because things like this give people um you know are what ultimately breed those kind of stories uh that you see so often um 
and a man of that kind of position as well with that kind of influence obviously i don't you know to what extent we can we can verify those kind of claims and allegations no it's it's, it's, it's confirmed is it, is it really confirmed? yeah this wow. is not, wow. this, is not what, fake you know? news. this is real yeah, yeah, yeah this man. is real yeah. and i think that's an issue that's i have part. as well i don't know if it's hero worship um but it's like i feel like elders should be above reproach I think it's Ephesians mm. that talks about there shouldn't even it's be a hint of sexual. It's not just a feeling. Man. It's not this a hint is, of sexual morality. Yeah. If I'm hearing yeah. like, if I'm hearing 15, 15 to 20 years of there's an accusation here and there, that shouldn't have been something that survived. Mm. If you know of an elder who's, oh no, he's a bit, he's a bit this, he's a bit that. And, and it's over years. Mm. It shouldn't have, it shouldn't have taken mm. 10, five years yeah. for him to actually be, to, to have to be forced out of that position. And, and actually this is, this is part of, um, evangelism as faithful witness imagine a church where even those you are not in the church says say they look at the church and say those people don't engage in this mm. like when the meeting mm. is happening people are saying the church the church is above reproach like the, yeah. if if you're part of that community the assumption is that there is a profound respect for the dignity of all people and we don't hear a hint of any claims like this if that was our faithful witness imagine what i would say to the gospel we profess yeah mm. yeah it's almost like the world can say oh yeah so we've got you know hollywood has got harvey yeah. weinstein they've mm. got bill cosby they've got um and then you know the church has got bill hybels and it, yeah. it almost make makes a mockery of the in the gospel it's sense of bill Hybel, you know yeah. We had all of these issues arising with multiple people. Yeah. yeah. We think about various worship leaders or, yeah. or gospel artists or pastors or influential yeah. figures who have all been, you know, caught out at some point or another. I was speaking to someone about it today. I'm not going to mention the name of who the person was, but even just a, a, there was a there was a Christian conference and, and the guy was speaking and they were like, oh, yeah, I heard this person used to be famous. And I'm like, yeah, they committed adultery. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like, hmm. and it was just like, that person shouldn't be behind a pulpit, not because I don't like that person, not because I don't think that person could have repented, not because I don't think that person could be forgiven, but more so because when all is said and done, the scriptures calls for men to stand behind the pulpit who are ultimately going to be blameless. Mm. And and that's, a, and that's a key thing. Um, yeah, so I find this, I personally find this news to be like quite painful and, and, mm. and, and disgusting, but I appreciate that at the same time, you don't just want to, you don't just want to be left in despair with regards to these kind of things. So I guess how, how should we respond i appreciate that we've we've all kind of given given across the hint that we're you know that we're quite you know um <sighs> the word thinking of the right word we're quite frustrated angry annoyed um upset with the kind of news that we've heard so f- with with the news but you know how should we seek to respond as christians with regards to this is it solely should we solely feel anger with regards to this stuff it might be it might not be I just, it just feels like a lot because even I remember when um, what episode was it Feminine Appeal when we spoke about Rachel Dolezal and her 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 own issues she had with the church that she was going to and even though she she, she still loves the gospel she's still for the church it, it's almost like another scandal mm. um, especially like high profile uh, pastors and, and women being, saying okay there's a culture here where women are being maligned and there's a yeah. sexual assault and we said it once. We said it twice. We had to say it fifty-five times for it to be re- to be resolved. Then you almost think of: Is there any sort of healthy governance, healthy churches where these things don't happen? Um, mm. Of course, there's always going to be there's always going to be sin, and and uh, no one is f- is free from sin. But in terms of allowing a culture of sexual assault to really yeah. continue, where you can, it's it's one thing if a pastor falls into to sin, 
and it's brought to the elders and it's quickly dealt with and it's another thing where the boss has done it for 15 to 20 years mm-hmm. with without, multiple without women kind of consequence. yeah and you just think of the life destroyed you think of uh assurance you think of people who now think they're not christians you think of people who now hate the church yeah. all these things and and there's almost no sort of repercussions or any sort of healthy framework to protect or guide yeah it's filthy it's not biblical that's first and foremost yeah yeah so we should know yeah. that but that's filthy yeah. Any 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 thoughts from you as well? Um, in terms in terms of responding, I I, I think um, looking at instances like this and um, these allegations and everything that's unfolded, we should essentially respond with a deep, um, profound sense of sadness. Um, n- not <laughs> first and foremost for the women. In that are that that were caught up in in the sin of Bill Hybels, um, and then flowing out of that for the church and its witness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that sadness, that um, sort of uh, soberness that comes out of seeing things like this, should lead us to, I guess, re- rejuvenate a, a deep sense of. Um, faithfulness to the commands of Jesus um, to know that actually what we're being called to is more than my own personal fulfillment and uh, what's the word Ex- personal expression to the world this is this is about showing what the Jesus Christ who actually transforms is to the world mm. um, so I think that the I, I know for myself because I, I it's on like okay so this for me this is very hard to see because I think this year last year was tough in itself I think eight pastors that I listened to personally all had to resign from ministry due wow. to uh, some sort of like that's a lot sexual misconduct yeah you don't need to name them but I, yeah no, don't, and I can, this I year has already touched on seven and we're in August wow and so th- every time. I read a new case like that. There's a deep sense of like fear over the pastoral ministry. Obviously, like, yeah, just in terms of like, this is a serious matter, and yeah. um, it's very easy to 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 get caught up in the in the allure of the flesh. Um, so I think again, in that soberness, then one of the things that happens is being so mindful and so aware of um, the dangers um, that that come with, for example, not cultivating the habit of self control. Like it is not a woman's responsibility for a man to um, f- to keep a man's sexual. Uh, what am I trying to say? It is not a woman's responsibility to overlook the way a man conducts himself mm-hmm. in his le- um, leadership capacity. It's his responsibility, mm. and so even trying to take that virtue of self-control um, as a deeply serious virtue that Christ calls you personally to to yourself. It's not, it's not anyone else's responsibility, even though there are accountability structures we need to have in our lives. Of but taking that as a serious call um, that is part and parcel of the life of the disciple. Um, these are the things that I think should come out of our seeing and responding to um, stories like this. I, I think, I think I, I, just as I've been listening to you guys speak, I, I kind of whipped up in my mind just like a four point. Sermon. He didn't deny. He was like, yeah, I did. Of, I guess four kinds of emotions, uh, four layers of emotions that I kind of hmm. feel with four layers. Of, Break it down for us. Um, mm. Unravel it for us. Unravel it for you guys. Um, Peel away. I guess. I guess you know with the. 
That was good. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Continue with your layers, please, anyway, please, please. That's up here. I ain't gonna lie. That was that was that was fantastic. That was fantastic. Um, oh. <laughs> sorry, Mary, Mary, Mary. Um, yeah, I guess with regards to the initial news, you kind of instantly have two people in mind: mm-hmm. one, the offended party, mm-hmm. and two, the offending party. Mm-hmm. And I guess with regards to the offending party, there's there's a particular level of pain that a Christian should feel just knowing that, you know, one of their brothers or sisters in, in, in the Lord potentially has, fu- has, has has stumbled, you know, and that they've, and that they've engaged in such, in such, you know, a bad witness, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's, and that's a reality that I think we can be quite quick to, to feel. Um, we don't always then think about as we ought to the other side. Uh, and they're the ones who are in the Me Too campaigns and the, in the Church Do campaigns and all these kind of things. And essentially they're the ones who have actually been, you know, um, they've been belittled, dehumanized, um, made to feel inferior, groped, um, treated, treated inappropriately, etc. And 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 you also want to feel a sense, a strong sense of pain, and 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 a real sense of compassion towards them mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, so there's at the offending instance, there's that sense of you know our brother has just stumbled, etc., or our sister has just stumbled. There's anger there. Um, towards the issue, towards the issue and the sinfulness of it of the act, but at the same time, there's a there's a sense in which you want to be, you want to, you want to, you would love to see them repent of that, you mm-hmm. know, and to and to and to deal with the consequences of their of their of their actions. At the same time, there's the grief for the and the compassion that you want to show towards the the people who have been offended. Um, personally, you also want to imbibe. I just think of Christ, this sense of personal jealousy for God's house. So I'm I'm thinking of. Um, how Christ went into the into the temple and turned the tables when he saw that the house of God was essentially being defiled. And you kind of want to imbibe this sense of, you know, a strong sense of just, we want to see the church purified. Mm-hmm. And we want to see the church cleansed of mm-hmm. all iniquity, all sin. And we don't want God's house to become a place of, you know, in the same way Christ didn't want to see God's house become a den of thieves, etc. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see it become a, a, a home for sexual morality mm-hmm. and for things of that kind of ilk. And then finally, you also want to see, you know, as a church, um, you want it, you want that sense of corporate guilt mm-hmm. because when all is said and done, you know, the church has failed to be mm-hmm. salt and light in the world. And that's, and that's a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we think back to one of our earlier podcasts, we spoke about how um, with regards to uh, slavery, etc. How the Church of England issued that apology, that public apology, mm-hmm. and said, you know, what we did to, you know, our part in, or whether it was by commission or or omission, our part that we played in slavery as a church was wrong, and mm-hmm. therefore, in the same kind of way, with regards to things like the Me Too movement, etc., and the, and the way that we've and we've we've not handled correctly, um, or not been vocal enough, or not been hard enough on on certain kind of sexual um, sins relating to sexual morality, we have to own up as a church and be like, you know what. We failed, and I think it, at those points, you know, even when it comes to us dealing with our witness before people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you know, in line with the last topic, just um, the missional element of things, when people come up to you and say, you know, the church has failed, and this, that, the other, da, 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 there's a point at which we, we can't just keep on being on the back foot, you know, on the on the offensive and just be denying everything. Da, da, da. Mm. At some point, we have to also say, do you know what? We have sinners in the church, and they have failed, mm-hmm. you know, and that's at every single level. Some of them have been high-profile cases, but unfortunately, this has also happened behind closed doors. But mm-hmm. when all is said and done, yeah. you have a gospel that ultimately uh, can affect the heart, that can change, that can save the soul, and even a sinner as guilty can, as that can know forgiveness in Christ ultimately. Mm-hmm. And and even the person who's been offended, 
can also know the grace of the Lord and the strength of the Lord and the help of the Lord and the comfort of the Lord and, and, and to know Christ as her all and in all. And ultimately, Lord willing, one day would be able to fulfill, um, forgive the, the offending party. So so it's it's really just trying to recognise, and, and this is the issue as sinners, we always tend to fall to one extreme or the other without appreciating all, but we kind of want to have that you know that internal reality of pain, the the ex- and and jealousy for the for the Lord's house, that that corporate sense of 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 how we failed, but at the same time that we need to do better. The you know the 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 compassion for the offended party, and at the same yeah. time, you know the you know the the anger at the sinfulness of of the offense, but at the same time seeking that that person would come to repentance. Mm. Four points. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, was good. good. That was, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Implications as well. Thank you, thank you. Four point, <laughs> you said I, thank you, I, thank I, you. I, I, I did, you said four point sermon. Sadly. I even had a question for you guys because um, I think in the midst of Church Two and the allegations, there's been a lot of criticism about the Billy Graham slash Mike Pence rule. Mm. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on terms of the what rule the, itself the rule and what exactly? you think about. I think it. I've heard it before. So it's it's broken into two parts. So the part A of it. So it was I think it was originally kind of made coined by Billy Graham, or he was one of the first people to say it. But then recently, Mike Pence, the vice president. Um, has has said he's he follows it as well. So one of the, it essentially says uh, don't travel or dine alone with a person of the opposite sex who isn't your spouse. And then he actually has adopted another part where he says uh, do not attend functions that serve alcohol unless your wife is by your side. But that's the part B. It's, it's usually the part A of in not wanting to be alone, not wanting to go to dinner, not wanting to to do anything with a woman um, when your wife is not with you one on one. So it's like just thinking about that. Do you guys practice it? Of course, Israel, you're not married, but do you, would mm. you spend time alone with a woman? Not in that way, in terms of like in a public function right. or is, let's say Israel, as a single man, you can go first. I can speak as a married yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you guys follow the, the Mike Pence? Do I, do I follow it? Wow. Uh, I I don't think so. I, and like, I'm, I'm trying to, now this is, that's probably a, f- a futile attempt trying to reflect on all my <laughs> interactions with humans. And I'm thinking... <laughs> I don't actually know. I, I, it's, okay. So it's not an it's not an active rule in my mind. Like I, I like I haven't personally taken yeah. it up. Okay. Because in so, in that context, it's an active rule. And yeah. by it alone, do you mean like not in a public place? So yeah. Example? So he wouldn't even dine. He wouldn't. That's dine. so. That's what I was thinking. He wouldn't was like, dine. So he. So Mike Pence. Okay. Actually, Billy, so even, actually, yeah. I think there was yeah. an example of if he um let's say he wasn't going to a lift and the lift door opened and it was just a woman by him by herself. He would wait for the. He would wait for another lift. So he wouldn't enter the lift. I, yeah, I haven't followed. So of course that that's like extreme examples. But he was mm. very. I think Billy Graham was very adamant that he wouldn't be alone with a woman at all under mm. any kind of circumstance unless his wife was with him. Um. For first of all, I don't. I don't think that rule is as intense as it sounds. Okay. Because in, so I'm I'm thinking for example the rule of you know I'm not going to be alone with a, another woman who is my wife in any context simply means just us two so i'm presuming as i i can't imagine this being wrong that if there were a group with even two women or three or a guy and a girl and all these like other combinations mm-hmm. he would find himself okay in those kind yeah, of it'd settings it'll be fine yeah. if yeah. let's say he was so, at a group and there was maybe five and, and so in my yeah. mind i think of someone like billy graham slash mike pence that's pretty much almost every context for them. Mm. I, Mike Pence alone, secret security, um, secret service follow him everywhere. Yeah. So for him to truly be alone with even another another guy, let's just like boil it down. For him to be with him, for it to be just him and another human being, is, is, and that's it, is extremely rare. Yeah, it's true. So I don't think in practice, 
it would seem or appear as intense as it sounds. Yeah, I guess. Although the theory does sound intense. Yeah, because... Um, Sorry to cut in, but sometimes the argument for like pastors to adopt this rule is that, of course, you'll never, you'll never become a Bill Hybel. You'll never fall into any sexual mm. sin if you're, if you're never, if you're never alone with a woman that's not your wife. So, if it's, so to them, it's like if yeah, I technology these days. Boy, okay, of course, but in terms <laughs> of like, I will never sin against my yeah. wife if I'm never alone with another woman. So, I, I, and I think sometimes they're like, oh, we can avoid this if we adopt these rules. And Mike Pence has been very. I, I think the, so the, the the heart and. In, in all yeah the heart behind it in seeking to be faithful to one's wife is to be admired like mm-hmm. whether you adopt the rule or not I think that 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 heart intention whether you think it's going overboard in its intention or not just the desire to be faithful to someone's wife is to be admired and um, to be to someone's wife to your wife that's <laughs> not to I want to make that a tighter sentence um, yep to, to be <laughs> to be faithful to your wife mm-hmm. um is an admire like it, it's it's one that christians should long for mm-hmm. that that intention that um desire um whether that rule is necessary i think is a different question um so actually just to just to answer your question so yeah because i'm can, about to ask you yeah, so why, yeah yeah i don't i don't personally follow it. i also don't think um as, as I'm looking back at my life, I don't think I have found myself in in contexts that are not public. So when I've, so when it's been me and a woman, it's been a public setting. Yeah. So I think that actually changes it dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't recall me and another woman <laughs> in a private setting that, that isn't, what's the word? public yeah in a sense um i don't actually know if i, I don't know i don't know that i have any more to say to to, okay. to, to, to that that's, apart from that. that's fair that's fair ricardo to, to keep it nice and short i guess personally i think the rule is a bit hard in a sense because i think it almost denies that women are people mm-hmm. um and it makes them more objects that are solely exist to make you stumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true, and, and so I don't. I, don't, I, I want to be careful in my thinking not to go to that extreme, and I think that's potentially at the heart, or potentially um, what one can um, can lead one to uh, to practice that kind of rule. So I've, that might have been at the heart of what birthed the rule, but it, or, but more so, it's more likely than that. It's it's probably going to be at the heart of the person who. Who seeks who seeks to, to abide by that rule with with no kind of caveats whatsoever? I think I think personally, with regards to me anyway, um, you know, I generally I think similar to Israel, there's is rarely ever if ever going to be a time where I'm physically alone with someone who's not my wife, mm-hmm. um, person full stop in kind of an isolated state, you know, and and no and in an environment that's not ultimately public. Um, that said, I have dined alone with with females in in the public sphere. Um, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, um, I do appreciate that if there's ever any form of or sense of attraction on the guy's part, you know, that guy should probably be um, cautious to 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 ensure he doesn't 
do those kind of things and at that point he might need to be harder with himself mm-hmm. but but yeah realistically speaking i think i think there's a bit of a, a denial in, in just to who the that that women are actually people as well I, mm-hmm. i'm not going to bother going into the depths of the other yeah. side because i, think it's I remember um i think Vody was telling a story Vody bokham was telling a story about how he was he would like cancel women of course like pastoral yeah. in a pastoral sense sorry yeah um, that, that leads me to one more point i also wouldn't want to give off the appearance of evil that's that's i think that would probably that's, bigger, that's another bigger, that's kind of argument thing. that you could put forward especially um, for someone depending on your position i would be much more cautious if i was a pastor in, in um highball's position yeah with twenty five thousand people yeah um under under my under my in my fold as opposed to um you know just me and the black Berea crew yeah but he was, I think Vody was telling a story about how, um, so he was counseling a woman and at, there was for some strange reason, there was no one in the church at that time. And he said that he went outside and they counseled outside in the cold. And he was, I, I don't I don't really know what he, I think his point was more the, the fact of like, it was a bit, a bit extreme to go outside in the cold. Um, but he was, I think he was trying to almost encourage, be, at least be mindful of it. Even if you're not following the, yeah, the yeah. Bill, Billy Graham rule or the Mike Pence rule. Because cause I remember there was a, there was a, kind of a hashtag movement last year called CHH sexism which is Christian hip hop sexism and it was um it was started by a woman called Catafant and she she spoke about how um it took her like several years to record her EP because the producer she was working with didn't want to be alone with a woman and she couldn't finish her EP and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and and she was talking about just the difficulties of being in the music gospel music industry because she couldn't go on tour because there was like no other people on the tour like so she was she was using different reasons and of course you don't want to mm. follow it to the extreme but yeah it, it's just it was interesting to get your thoughts anyway no, yeah, I hear that. I, I wanna I wanna throw in a couple of things quickly. Okay. First of all, I wanna backtrack on a number of things. No, 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 that's that sounds that sounds so reflection. Well, I wanna clarify or or that my points. I huh? Was it because of my point? That's one of the things. What? There's, 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 of there's like there's like three. No, 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 not the So the, the first one is yeah, I have I have been in, like I should, I should, as I was reflecting, I was like, no, actually, I have found myself in private um yeah you wouldn't find yourself in, in those kind of situations often but you will find so that so because i think i said i, I don't actually i've never done it but i have so mm-hmm. i wanted to to, to, to throw that <laughs> in there second thing i want to say is which is okay second thing but really two which is really second and third point but they're <laughs> one point um i'm trying to sneak in two points in one to the top. so <laughs> two postures first one is i think part of what i was thinking previously was i was trying to force my own rule on the spot which is actually i don't think quite appropriate for this present moment i do think there needs to be a level of reflection in the individual as to how they can touch conduct 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 their social engagements Mm -hmm. how that will look like is left to the individual i'm not going to force myself to come up with a formula right now nor do i think it's the kind of reflection that happens overnight but there does need to be a meaningful reflection on how we engage with others women and men um but obviously in this context as we're dealing with um bill hybels and the mike pence rule that would be men to women that actually considers um how you can show two things that you take seriously um the person you're approaching as a human in on themselves so that drawing from Richard's point about not viewing women as um, objects of temptation and nothing else but actually seeing them as persons so that's the one thing that your your reflections need to, to consider but also mm. secondly how you're 
your approach reflects a serious um a serious commitment to faithfulness um i'm saying that word a lot in this podcast you just want to be faithful <laughs> honestly how it shows a serious commitment to faithfulness if you're married to your spouse if you're not married to the church to to christ um mm. not that the other two don't apply to if you're married but just you know um showing that actual reflection on both sides i'm not going to reduce women to um objects of temptation but i'm not going to reduce um the call of discipleship in from jesus christ to self-control to just n- nice words that merely make me ponder and don't mm. need to be acted upon mm. yeah still take heed lest you fall yeah and conscience will play a part as well yeah for exactly. one reason or you, you don't want to be alone with someone opposite sex as uh, yeah so going back to bill hybels as i kind of did a bit of a tangent like how do you think the church can create a safe environment for all its members mm. so mm. i will jump in first i think twenty-five thousand is a lot of members and I was when I read it initially I said church governance because I for me I think when I think yeah. of the case when I read through the case I'm, I could imagine just the church wasn't ignorant of the things that happened it just hmm. didn't have a healthy church governance to deal with issues hmm. like this where yeah. elders could confront investigate and remove and I think especially in big churches like that there's hero worship I could imagine these women thinking oh I can't this guy's such a goggly guy mm. he's powerful no, no, no. you know you think of power structures you think of um, little yeah. old me what am I going to say and I think yeah the church has to have a, an open door policy of course when I think of the scripture talking about if you're going to is it if you want to rebuke an elder you should have at least two witnesses of course you want to mm. respect the position but you shouldn't be afraid to, to bring up concerns this is or, where Presbyterianism is Absolutely. Anyway, this is where this is <laughs> where this is where biblical government makes sense. Yeah, this yeah. Is where what, that, what, did, what did we say that was different? <laughs> you said Presbyterianism. Anyway, so, so, anyway, so I'll, I'll, but but more seriously, I'll add. Um, I just remember the church that did something that I think uh, would be a good compliment to what you said is they actually hired what Which hired? I can't I can't remember. But they're the Baptist. I highly, I highly doubt. They baptize believers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start that one. Listen, I've got, I've got my jar of water. And anyway, let's just be careful. The baby sprinklers are out. You better hide Eden. Are you allowed to get away with that in your camp? Anyway, can we? Can we um, yeah, you're thinking of the church. Let me, let me, my, my point, my points, my points. Okay, they. Um, Pointed the the congregation to a independent, external, um, safeguarding body that the church could contact in instances of um, misconduct that were detached from the um, power structure of the church. Is that biblical? Exactly. That, no, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not arguing. I'm genuinely asking the question. That's exactly what I. Was I don't think it's. Think I don't think it's unbiblical. Okay. I don't depends on it, how depends on how what so, power so, etc is given to that. Oh yeah, power. So what this power is, this, do they this, have? This is, this is a, so the body itself is a is a um, Christian group that essentially overlook and ensure safeguarding. And the idea is now okay. now I'm assuming a lot. I didn't I didn't do like an investigation <laughs> into how this works. But I'm so assuming the following for example, words are bro science. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming, for example, that the this external body is aware of Christian beliefs. Um, are Christians themselves they even if they're not Christians to be fair in my mind I'm, but let me not let me not ponder on that too much so I'm assuming like they, they understand how the, how, the, how the church works um, and that they know 
um, how to address issues. Mm. But I'm also assuming that the the church has a relationship to them. This is so. This is not just some arbitrary um, third party. Yeah, but the relationship is not one of power. That means there's no um, obligation on the body to the church. Um, well, this also means, therefore, that the congregation, if if they if they have any fear of like, oh, he's too powerful, or you know, all these things, they can actually approach external body that's not that's not obliged to follow the whims of the eldership, which means that it can be a legitimate confrontation to the mm. eldership over issues that the eldership has to take seriously because it's now outside of their control. That's the point. Now, here's where Presbyterianism makes sense because Presbyterianism gives you that. Okay. Because the elders in that church are accountable to elders of other churches. Exactly, what you're going to try and say, right? Th- that is, that's the external body. What, what, but so I'm so. I, well, the, the very the issue is essentially. Sorry, I'm just going to cut you short straight away. Um, if a church has, first and foremost, if there's ever if there's ever issues that the church doesn't feel like they can elevate, that's because there's a failing in leadership. Mm. Mm. That's that's yeah. That's, and, yeah. And, and, and we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. If a church. I don't care if you're the, the, the chief elder or the pastor or whatever bishop. kind of, or, 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 or bishop or whatever <laughs> you want to call yourself. Um, yeah, whatever you want to call yourself. I'm trying to think of a cool name, but I have no, the all, the all supreme one. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Whatever you want to call yourself. Um, essentially, if you're not accountable, if you don't have a plurality of elders, mm. um, then if you do have a plurality of elders, then you should, they should be able to confront whoever is the, do you know what I mean? Whoever the offending party is. No um, elder should have that, absolute power. Yeah, no, absolute no, power no corrupts. elder should have absolute. Absolutely. No elder should have absolute <laughs> power because <laughs> Christ reigns Amen. in the church. And he's the head of the church. So I mm. appreciate the philosophical jargon you're throwing out there, but I'm, I'm more concerned about what the Bible's throwing out. <laughs> wow. And, and <laughs> shooting everyone today. Um, but no, 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 jokes aside, like, it's it's a shame. I've heard recently. I, again, I was I was speaking to I was speaking to someone, um, and they were telling me about how they were talking to a friend, and that friend didn't want to was going to leave the church, and they were asking why, and they were like, because my husband's been committing adultery, etc., and I know the church isn't going to deal with it properly, hmm. and X, Y, and Z, and and the real thing I then said straight to the friend, then why is she at that church? Because that's mm. a failing. The only reason you could ever feel like that is. One, because you've got a very, very, very poor understanding of how your church operates, or when all is said and done, the eldership has failed. Um, mm. To make clear that you should be able to approach the elders with, do you know what I mean, with the issues that you face. Um, mm. And whether that's with somebody else in the eldership team or in the leadership team, etc., or whether that's with somebody in in your personal mm. sphere who's, who's who doesn't who doesn't actually occupy a role in within government. And I think, and I think, yeah. So I I think really just seeing more biblical um church governance church discipline etc etc in general i don't think i appreciate the logic of um of what the presbyterians are actually doing in terms of the 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 body of uh mm-hmm. elders etc don't necessarily see that as completely a a, a biblical requirement but if that but either way I'm, I'm happy to be swayed there to be honest because I like it either way even though I, okay? I like the idea I, okay? I, I like the idea though you know, okay? don't look at me like that I like the idea even even if as, a, as, a, yeah. as an extra safeguard but but nevertheless it's the church a congregant should always feel that one church discipline etc is 
is an avenue they can always take when necessary. Two, that they that they themselves are well aware of the st- appropriate steps, mm-hmm. the confrontation with the person, the confrontation with witnesses, the confrontation with the elder, with the eldership, etc. And three, something that I, I've actually... Three stems out of a small story. I remember sitting in the car with a friend one time and just speaking with a few of them. And essentially, long story short, one of the people I was dropping home was ultimately saying, I don't think that church discipline as articulated in Matthew chapter 18, I believe, is... Is it 18? Yeah, it is. Matthew chapter 18 is um, is very loving. They didn't feel it was a loving thing. They felt it was almost the aim of that process um, mm. was to get rid of somebody and to excommunicate them from the church as opposed to actually seeing that person come to a state of repentance and seeing that issue dealt with appropriately. And so I think... Thirdly, that person, we just need to recognize that the end of church discipline is to see um, repentance and and the appropriate um, consequences uh, of of your actions, etc. Issued out or dealt with, etc. You you get what I mean? Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I think think just seeing those things um, present in the church that's that that would be that would be massive for making mm. the church a safe place and it might just be that with a loss of you know biblical fidelity in general it might just need to be that we are verbally articulating this from our pulpits um in our bible studies etc more and more um or more just more explicitly where we know this has actually gone under the radar and where there should be that sense of corporate guilt and mm. and striving to deal with and per- deal with the issue and purge the church of it all when i think of like shepherds i think of protectors so they yeah. they definitely are those who want to protect the sheep um yeah. and and when so if an, uh, another elder is accused they want to their, their first concern is, mm. is the sheep but i think sometimes i think when i think of the church and the power structures of the leaderships so, so the, the multiple pastors and leadership i think for a lot of laymen it almost feels like their past is so far away and it's almost unapproachable. And I think of some, I remember like some people, I, my old church where um, like to get a meeting with your pastor, it was a couple of weeks and yeah. if you wanted to see that. Like, and they were away for a couple, most of the weeks in the year and Listen, emails. I, I and, preaching a sermon one time and then seeing some people come up to me after and then being like, um, and then somebody was like, you can speak to him, you can speak to him. <laughs> and he, they were like, and they were like, oh, we're allowed to speak to the pastor. I'm, I'm like, like, seriously? I'm thinking in my head, one, I'm not the pastor. <laughs> You're not the pastor. One, you I'm anybody. Pastor. <laughs> but two, I was also like, rah, like, there just needs to be so much unlearning. Such a shame. Yeah. Like, I remember, so um, much I remember going to this conference and I don't know why um, some churches do this. Um, where they they just almost want to put the pastor on a higher ground. It's almost like Don't the pastor's the like the anointed. superstar. So I remember we the, so the conference was going on and like the pastor was preaching, 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 preaching. And then he's like, let's pray. And everyone's praying, praying, praying. And as he's finished, he's like, almost you finish your sermon, you're praying, praying. And then you open your eyes and the pastor's gone. And you're like, where did the pastor go? And that happened <laughs> every single it. week. Like it happened every, every time I went. So it happened all the time. Whereas you don't. So when you see the pastor, it's like... <gasps> As opposed to actually, Man. the pastor is someone I see every Winch. week. He's reachable. <laughs> I can contact him. I can talk yeah, to him. I can yeah, ask him yeah. questions. I can question him, of course, respectfully. Um, and I think when you kind of right. create an environment in your church where the pastor is just is a, is a, is a, a fellow believer in, yeah, in, in yeah. the Lord and a um, sinner as well, and a sinner as well. Of course, exactly. he he has a, he holds a responsibility, and you should respect exactly, and yeah. submit to that. But he's just like you. He's he's he. You can he's you can talk to him. You can approach him. Mm. And I think when you create things like that, I just feel like hero worship is so 
I you can worship anything. I, you know, I remember when I first got to my church. I don't want to ramble too much. I know we should call this an end, but mm. I remember when I first got to my church and I saw like the pulpit and I was always I always used to walk around like the pulpit area, like properly around it. Yeah. I remember ages ago stepping on the stage at one point and someone said, Get off the stage, get off the stage. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or the pastor walked in one day and saw me and I was like and I was like and I was like, Do you know what I mean? Like it was just it's it's, gonna it's beat all me. Kinds, yeah, it's all kinds of mad. Like yeah. But yeah, man, I think I think there's it just takes me back to that old testament. You know, when Moses comes down the um down from the mountain, mm. his face is shining. And then the people are essentially like, you know, he tells, he speaks to the people and the, the people are essentially like, Lord, we'll listen to you. Um, but please, like, you know, who can see you and live? Let Moses speak to you, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll just speak to Moses. Yeah. And, and, you know, because, and, but even when Moses comes down with his face shining, the people have to hide. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's too much. Like, there's just this sense where, you know, it's almost as though you're still living in the old the old covenant, where, whereby you know the veil the veil still stands, and 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 there's there's a level of holiness which is cut off, or uh, a level of spirituality which is cut off from the people of God. But it, it rejects the fact that we're all prophet priests, and 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 ultimately those who will reign in Christ, mm, co-heirs, um, you know, co-heirs, those who are to formally articulate the word of God, um, prophets, those who are to ultimately stand before God, you know with the veil torn away in Christ with him as the only mediator mm. between God and man, um, you know, priests. And and once you get that kind of reality um, fixated in your mind, you recognize that your pastor has no special connection between God um, and you that Don't he occupies. That, you know, true. he doesn't bridge the gap. Um, you know, Mary mind, can't do that. Yeah. The pastor can't do that. And ultimately only Christ can, can bridge the gap between God and man. He is the, ladder to heaven you know? mm. I think mm. I th- but I think pastors encourage that culture as well the Jacob ladder sorry <laughs> that Jacob ladder do you know yeah, I was thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of one African song that says follow the ladder 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 oh yeah follow follow the ladder follow the ladder follow the ladder to heaven oh yeah follow we're gonna CGI. post the link of this video on <laughs> the description just so that CGI. everyone can feel included. No, actually it is actually video. really good. Is there anything else to <laughs> add? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, follow. Anything else no, to no, add? No, no. no? you're good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Guys, okay, we're finished. Thank you very much for listening to us. Um it's been long, but it's been lovely. Has mm. it even been that long? Yeah, it's not been that long. It's been an hour and seventeen minutes. It's good. It's been lovely. It's been fellowship. <laughs> it's been fun. We fellowship mm-hmm. with you we guys too. We spoke about too. serious things, but mm. it's been good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, been yeah, good. Yeah. Mm. So that said, this is the Blackberry Podcast. My name is Richard. I'm Israel. Yours truly, Mary. <laughs> oh, you'll be different. <laughs> and this <laughs> was and is and will be Blackberry. <laughs> is that new tech now? Is that cool? <laughs> is that nice? <laughs> Cheers, guys. Adios. <laughs>